This is the weekly sermon from Church of the Holy Trinity in Houston, Texas, a Reformed Episcopal parish of the Anglican Church in North America. Please join us on Sundays for worship at 9, 11, and 5, and visit us online at holytrinityrec.org. Please enjoy the sermon. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. With me, you shall be in safe keeping. These are the words of David to Abiathar, who had just witnessed the massacre of his entire family. He alone escaped while his family perished by the order of King Saul. He, as David, was now a fugitive, a wanted man. He was the lone survivor of his town, of his priestly family. Yet God brought him, as we read at the end of this passage today, to David to preserve his life as he would become the future priest of Israel. Events here, as we read, as we continue in our series in 1 Samuel, are escalating quickly to the point that Saul has now come to a policy of murder of anyone that is seeking to help David in any way. Saul acted from this point on as king, not as a godly, righteous king of God, but more as a pagan king would act. He would now do all he could to stamp out the Lord's anointed. David now served more and more as the righteous under persecution. It was a most fearful time with a tyrant as king, destroying his own people and the ever-present threat of the Philistines all around them trying to conquer Israel. Truly enemies surrounded David and those now that supported him. This morning, let us continue in this series to meditate upon God's grace to preserve us, to serve him, even under trying circumstances. To begin this chapter, David continues his running from Saul, He now goes to a place that was a perfect spot to hole up as a refuge, as a fortress. Adullam, as referenced in the book of Joshua, was near a former Canaanite royal city. It was known in that part of the world, especially the cave of Adullam, as a fortress place, a place where someone could defend themselves against larger numbers. God used this place initially for David to run and for support to gather around him. First, in this chapter this morning, we read that it was the family of David that arrived first. Seeing what Saul was doing later in this chapter and what he was doing in trying to pursue uh, David, David's family was not safe. And they made this wise decision to join their son. It's a safe assumption Saul would have also tried to wipe out the remnant of David's family, his mother, his father, his brothers. David at least now had his family by his side, a glimmer of hope when he was surrounded by his enemies. And David, as we read, then takes his elderly parents to his father's grandmother's land, Ruth's land of Moab for safety. From here we read that the outcasts of Israel all around flocked to David at the cave of Adullam. As we read in verse 2, 
And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him and he became commander over them. You can look similarly to the Gospels where Jesus, the Messiah, we see that those that gathered around our Messiah, those that Jesus called to himself were also outcasts, misfits, tax collectors. Those are the ones he called to be around him. It was not the best and the brightest of Israel that flocked to, to David here. Jesus also chose those the elite of Israel at the time rejected. God in his infinite mercy and grace works with those humanity rejects in, the rejection, in their rejection of God in self-righteousness. David The innocent, the anointed to be king of Israel is surrounded by those the world would reject, but those that God uses to serve his purpose. This section ends with the prophet Gad coming to tell David that he now must return to Judah to hide out in the forest of Harath. The last part of our chapter this morning speaks of the reaction of King Saul when he heard where David was located and that he had gathered 400 people around him. Then we continue to see Saul going further and further into darkness, into rage. Verse 8 reveals that his trust for those around him was completely gone. He said that all of you have conspired against me. No one discloses to me when my son makes a covenant with the son of Jesse. None of you is sorry for me or discloses to me that my son was stirred up my servant against me. To lie and wait as at this day. He was fearful that David, who had been a mighty warrior under him, commanding a thousand of his men, was now over an army himself. Saul, as we see here, only trusted himself. He no longer trusted God. He no longer even trusted those around him. This turned quickly to what we find in the next verse where Doag, the Edomite, seizes this opportunity to show his loyalty for the king. He divulges the actions in the previous chapter of the high priest showing mercy to David by giving David food to eat, by giving David the sword of Goliath when David was defenseless. An outsider helps Saul turn Upon his own people. The sinful rage about to be released by Saul echoes what we read later in Holy Scripture in the book of Acts with another man named Saul, as he was instrumental in persecuting the church, murdering Christians before he was stopped in his tracks at the Damascus Road and converted. Yet we read of no such stopping of Saul here. Instead, he continues to turn into his rage, and he keeps going. The descriptions found of the ungodly in our epistle today in Ephesians 4, 18 through 19, gives us a look into the darkness of the heart of Saul. The king of Israel's understanding was darkened to the point he lost sight of the work of God. He indeed was alienated from the life of God because of his ignorance in accepting what God had done to anoint David. This is all due to the hardness of Saul's heart, now completely callous, willing to practice every sort of impurity, even that of murder. 
his anger boils into sinful rage, as we see in verses 11 through 19. After questioning Ahimelech the priest for helping David, Saul orders that this priest, along with his whole house, be executed. After Saul's personal guard would not commit such an atrocity against the priests of God, Saul turns again to the outsider, the Edomite Doag, to do so. And as we read, he turned and struck down the priests, and he killed on that day 85 persons who wore the linen ephod. And Nob, the city of the priests, he put to the sword, both man and woman, infant and child, ox, donkey, and sheep, he put to the sword. While Saul would not obey God in earlier chapters to destroy a pagan city, the land of the Amalekites, he, without hesitation here, out of his rage, does so against his own people, against the innocent priests of God. Saul, in his rage against David, was turning against his own kingdom, turning towards self-destruction, starting with the spiritual foundation in the priests. In using an outsider to do his dirty work, something his fellow Israelites would not take part in, Saul himself was beginning to alienate himself from his own people. When falling from God, it affects everything, as it did with Saul. And the higher in authority, when such happens, more and more people suffer. Yet in all of this darkness, all of this slaughter, God preserved one priest, Abiathar. As we read, as he escaped, he found David. The future king's reaction to Saul's atrocity, as we heard it from Abiathar, was a reaction of grace, sorrow. He takes what happens upon himself. Instead of doing what comes natural to us in sin when we hear of such outrages, that we want to strike out in vengeance. Instead, David takes it upon himself, takes the blame. He could have used this, after all, as an excuse to go after Saul here, to end his misery of being a fugitive. He probably could have even garnered the support of most of Israel to avenge the murder of these priests and their entire town, men, women, and children, and infants slaughtered. He could have used that. Instead, David, in humility, looks at his own fault in the situation. His words of comfort to Abiathar have a quality to them that foreshadows what Jesus Christ does for all of us under his wings of protection in this wicked world. David said to this priest, Stay with me. Do not be afraid, for he who seeks my life seeks your life. With me you shall be in safe keeping. In our lives of faith, we must pray for such grace in the situations and the enemies we encounter that seek our harm. Jesus Christ keeps us safe eternally, just as David promised the priest Abiathar to protect him from Saul. No matter how much the kings and the nations rage against God and against his people, we cling to Jesus Christ and his grace for us to calmly go about our calling to present the gospel to all of humanity. May our prayer be that God instills his loving grace through all that we encounter, knowing he preserves us to do his work and that he has saved us eternally. 
no matter what men like Saul may do to our bodies. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Amen.